1060 KDUS Tempe Phoenix and KSLX HD2 Scottsdale Phoenix. It's now time to enter the sports zone with your host, Bob Kemp. JJ McCarthy looking over the middle. Caught. Touchdown, Wolverines. Roman Wilson. JJ McCarthy threw that one off his back foot. He'll roll again. A wide snap. He's got a wheel wrap to Jam Miller. Touchdown, Alabama. Penix. Lobs it into the end zone. Touchdown, Quentin Moore. With the play of his life, you never would expect him to be the guy to make the play that could put them in the college football playoff. Ewers throws it. Man open in the end zone. Touchdown, Texas. Adonai Mitchell. The ball should be in the hands of your big three uh, on a constant basis. O'Neal feeding Bridges, gets the wide open corner look. Try to create contact and get the shot off. Booker takes the inbound, spins, fires the three, won't get it. And that will do it. Suns fall here, 116 to 112. And they fall to 13 and 11. Six and seven here on the home floor. Field just picked up his third foul. And now Green runs over Nurkic, and he'll be called for the foul, and they're going to take a look at this. After video review, Green makes unnecessary and excessive contact to the face. The foul has been upgraded to a flagrant foul penalty two, and Green has been ejected from the game. There you go. When you hear excessive, that's it. Draymond Green is out. Including third downs where they're 0 for 12. Third worst in franchise history going back to 91. And Stick loses it. Scooped up by Josie Jewell. And he is tackled by Austin Eckler. And a fitting way to end this day. The Denver defense making another big play. Let's see if they can keep making Aiden O'Connell's day a rough one. O'Connell to the oh. end. It's intercepted. Ivan Pace Jr. with the diving pick. 152 to go. Dial 602-260-1060. That's 602-260-1060. Or tweet the show at KDUSAM1060. And now, here's your sports own guide, Bob Kemp, on KDUSAM1060. Welcome to the Thursday, December 14th edition of the Sports Zone. Not just the news and scores, the news and scores with analysis. In today's Sports Zone, right here on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7, the CFP semifinals. Who wins on January 1st? The Suns? Is the losing record at home reason for concern? Draymond Green, how many games should he be suspended this time? Meanwhile, Thursday night football, why should anybody watch tonight? And what else caught your eye since our last show? Here's today's schedule lineup on the show, which is the most informative sports talk Monday through Friday. In moments, we'll have the introduction of today's pipeline. At uh, 10.15 or so, we'll uh, preview the college football uh, playoff, the two games on January the 1st. 9.30, you'll be interactive action at 6.02. 
260-1060 and also the local roundup. That will include some Suns and Nets analysis from last night. Then in the final segment of the Sports Zone will be the National Roundup. That will be topped by a brief preview of tonight's uh, st- uh, st- uh, the Chargers, right? Chargers and, Ra- and uh, Raiders. Chargers, Raiders. I should know who's playing, even though maybe we shouldn't know who's playing. Chargers and Raiders will preview briefly that showdown tonight in Las Vegas. Then after the sports zone, it'll be the extra point from 11 to 1, hosted by Kayla. And we'll have many more uh, opportunities for phone call time at that point, 602-260-1060. Right now onto the pipeline we go. Time for today's pipeline where the host reveals the hot topics for discussion. Then we start with a KDUS poll question at KDUS1060.com. Today's question is who wins January 1st in the Rose Bowl? Number one seed Michigan or number four seed Alabama? Corey is here and has the early returns. Right now split even 50-50 on KDUS1060.com. Okay, undefeated Michigan's a one and a half point consensus favorite against one loss Alabama. Today's Twitter poll question, who wins January 1st in the Sugar Bowl? Number two seed Washington or number three seed Texas? And, Corey, what do we have here? Also very close leading barely, though, is Washington, 53.3% of the vote. Texas at 467 right now. KDUSAM1060 on Twitter. Once again, the one-loss team is favored with Texas in uh, in part because you know they're like a they're like a four and a half point favorite at last look, but then in part they're favored because it's much closer to home. While the unbeaten Washington Huskies, they're an underdog for the third time in their last four games. Meanwhile, on the local front, the Suns have a losing record at home. Mikhail Bridges and Cam Johnson combined for 36 points. Then their return to Phoenix in the Nets' 116-112 win on a night that the Suns had Devin Booker, Kevin Durant, and Bradley Beal for the first time this season. Is the Suns' losing record at home reason for concern or no big deal? Meanwhile, Spain, the Globe, Draymond Green suspended indefinitely by the NBA. That following his latest cheap shot on Tuesday night to the head of uh, Suns uh, center Yusuf Nurkic. Um, how many games should Green actually be suspended for by the NBA this time? Al Michaels has to be shaking his head. And who can blame him with tonight's uh, Chargers-Raiders game and the quarterback showdown of Easton Stick versus Aiden O'Connell? How about just one reason we should actually watch tonight, Chargers at Raiders? In addition to all these excellent questions and topics, I don't know about how excellent that last one is, but they're playing tonight on Thursday Night Football, so that's kind of an automatic pipeline question. Also, in addition to all these excellent questions and topics, except for that last one, uh, what else caught your eye since our last show? All right, that's the pipeline for today. We'll get to all these tremendous topics and much more during today's sensational radio program. Anything else in your mind falls into the general discussion category. So whether it is from the pipeline or a sports topic on your mind, 602-260-1060, or you can tweet the show at KDUSAM1060, or twitter.com slash KDUSAM1060. Basically, the only rules are accuracy and objectivity. If you violate those rules, or if you're just simply bad, you will be the target of this.
coming up next, uh, coming up next, Corey will have a news update that'll be followed by the college football playoff preview. Uh, something we're going to do today because after tomorrow's show, we won't be here until January the second, and those playoff games are on January the first. I'm not the sharpest tool in the shed, but if we're going to preview the games. We need to do it before we come back on January 2nd because the games are on January the 1st. So we will do that in the next segment. Also, once again, at the bottom of the hour, phone call time, 602-260-1060, general discussion, plus some local roundups, Suns and Nets analysis from last night. Also get to some bottom line answers from the pipeline, including why should you watch that Raiders and Chargers game tonight? Hmm. I got about 20 minutes to figure that out. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KISS Lux HD 2 100.7. HD Radio is here for KDUS AM 1060. Check out your favorite shows and games on 100.7 KSLX HD 2. Welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7, your home of the Dan Patrick Show, live Monday through Friday from 7 to 10 a.m. All right, today's the next to last Sports Zone for 2023, and I wanted to make sure that we previewed the January 1st CFP semifinals. So out to the KDUS hotline we go. We're now joining the Sports Zone by Shehan Jayaraja of uh, CBSSports.com. And uh, let's start with the, uh, the the actual CFP selections. Let's go back to a couple of weeks ago, roughly a couple of weeks ago, when the final four teams were uh, re- re- revealed, unveiled, however we'd like to put this. What was your opinion of Michigan, Washington, Texas, and Alabama, the top four seats? Yeah, for me, uh, leaving out Florida State was a huge mistake. I, I think it sets a really bad precedent, the idea that you can go through a power conference, finish 13-0, and 0, uh, play two SEC teams in the non-conference plate and still be left out. Uh, I think it's a bad incentive structure to say that if a player gets hurt, that we're essentially throwing out your candidacy. And I think that the other part of it, too, is that you know, when if you want to make the case that, well, they're just ranking the four best teams, I, I don't know how Ohio State, doesn't get into your top four. I don't know how Georgia doesn't get into your top four. I don't know how Oregon doesn't get into your top four. So to me, it it was just a a complete mess of a process. I I don't think that it's uh, necessarily the the right answer. Now, I will say all four teams, I think, in the field have a chance to win a national championship, but that doesn't eliminate uh, how wrong the process was. And look, if Alabama goes and wins the national championship, that still does not absolve, I, I think, the process which got us here. Okay, a little, on, a little more on Florida State. Yeah, we did see roughly a two-and-a-half game sample after Jordan Travis got hurt. Would they have been competitive against these other three teams in the playoffs? Well, I think that one thing to mention, right, is that in the first game, uh, the first start of Tate Rodemaker's career, he suffered a concussion, right? So he was not fully healthy even in that first game. And so you're playing with your third-string true freshman quarterback. You've thrown one FBS pass attempt. Uh, and one, you know, they would have had a month of practice to get ready for this game, too. I mean, defensively, they are unbelievable. Even with their third-string quarterback, they beat a top-15 opponent by 10 points. It, it wasn't pretty, but, you know, this isn't supposed to be a beauty contest. And, I, I, again, I think the other part of it, too, is that 
if the playoffs came around, you'd be playing with Tade Rodemaker. He'd have a month to get ready. He'd have a month of first-team reps. Uh, and this is a really talented offense. We saw, you know, obviously with players like Trey Benson at running back, Keon Coleman at wide receiver, Johnny Wilson, a really good offensive line, mixed with what is a top-five defense in the entire country. I absolutely think that they would have been able to hang with some of these teams in the college football playoff. Would they be a favorite to win it? Not necessarily, but I, I don't think that, that changes the process. I mean, again, and, and once you kind of open up the door to, well, you know, this team didn't play well in the conference championship game, this suffered a major injury, well, I mean, Michigan lost one of their best players, offensive lineman Zach Zinter, and went on to put uh, mm-hmm. put together 213 yards of offense against Iowa. So, again, I just think it's a slippery slope to open this door to, well, we don't really feel like these results are legitimate or should count or matter to us, because once we start that, where do we stop? Well, one more thing about Georgia here, or a thing about Georgia, because we haven't had one thing previously, so a thing about Georgia. They had won 29 in a row. Uh, over three seasons before they lost that game to Alabama. They were the number one in the rankings the week before. They drop out entirely. Was just losing in the state of Georgia to Alabama, is, was that enough to get them out, Left them out, have them left out? Sorry, um, have them left out. Let's try that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I think that what's interesting about this, right, is the committee's kind of trying to uh, use whatever level of logic that, they, that they're trying to do, right, and – one of the very key things that they said, if you win a conference championship, that is a tiebreaker in a lot of ways. And with Alabama having a tiebreak victory over Georgia because of beating them and the conference championship, and then you mix in Texas having that similar tiebreak uh, situation over Alabama and really not having a very good case to have uh, Alabama move ahead of Texas, I do think that made things complicated. Now, again, if you're going to talk about uh, the teams that – no matter what, put everything aside, are the best four teams in the country. I think that Georgia has a really good case to be one of those four teams. But, again, this is why we play the game. You know, we have an example of a team that uh, that lost earlier in the year that had, you know, in Alabama, a, a game that went to 4th and 31 against Auburn that was 3-3 at half against South Florida. <laughs> that was a three-point win over Arkansas. Uh, come out and beat Georgia. So I do think that it was the right decision to leave them out. But I, I think that, you know, a lot had to go right for that to happen. Shayon Jarajas with CUSSports.com, crowing in the sports zone. All right, on to January 1st. Let's start with the number one seed, Wolverines, against the number four seed, Crimson Tide, at the Rose Bowl. What has impressed you the most about Michigan during this 13-0 start to the season for them? Yeah, I think defensively, they are just unbelievable. They've got playmakers at every level. They've got uh, consistent development. Uh, you know, I, I love what they have at cornerback with Will Johnson and Mike Sanders still. I mean, th- this is one of the best combinations in the entire country. And I think that defensively, they just have the ability to hold teams underwater. And offensively, they do a great job of not beating themselves. Uh, obviously, their offensive line has won the Joe Moore Award the past two years for the best offensive line in the country. And, uh, you know, they, they took a little bit of a step back this year. I don't expect them to three-peat for the award, but still a very strong unit. And they get just enough from their passing games to keep uh, teams on their feet. So, you know, this is easily the most consistent team in the country. They really, uh, I mean, you look across the the schedule, they didn't have a game that really they even could have lost this season. Now they played 
uh, far and away the weakest schedule out of all of these teams, but to be as consistent as they were, to not mess up at any point. I mean, again, like I mentioned, Alabama had a game against the 6-6 six and six team that went down to the wire. Uh, you know, Texas had games go down to the wire. Washington had games go down to the wire. Georgia had games go down to the wire. For Michigan to be as consistent as they are, I think is really impressive. The question for me with them is going to be what exactly is their upside going into the playoff against these three other teams, but there's no question they have the highest floor of the group. Okay, so along those lines, you know, they almost never trailed even in a game this season, so this might be a tough question. Is there a reason for concern about their team? Yeah, I think that when you look at the four teams in the playoffs, Michigan is the one that really on offense does not have any explosive component. You know, I I went through and looked at some of their stats yesterday, and out of uh, 350 receivers with at least 40 targets this year, Michigan's top two receivers ranked 280th and 313th in yards after contact oh, or wow. sorry, yards after catch <laughs> per reception. So they do not make plays after the catch. And I think that when you look at these other teams, you've got an Isaiah Bond, Jermaine Burton at Alabama, uh, obviously Texas and Washington. You don't even need to mention Romo Dunze, A.D. Mitchell, Xavier Worthy. These are big time explosive playmakers and Michigan has not had that component to their offense. So I think that that does make them a little dependent on a certain game script. They need to stay uh, you know, on schedule. They need to stay ahead of the chains. They need to get first down. And we saw uh, really in both of their two playoff games the last two years, especially the Georgia one, uh, when they got off schedule, they struggled. They, they, they struggled mm-hmm. to put teams away. They struggled to, to uh, get into the end zone, right? I mean, you look at that Georgia game from a couple of years ago, it was 34-3 to with only minutes left in the game. And so I think that that's the piece that they really need to develop over the course of this next month is they need to have a downfield threat. They need to, to be explosive, and they need to be able to keep pace, even with, a, with an Alabama team that isn't necessarily a juggernaut offensively. Okay, so on to Alabama we go here. Obviously, they lost at home in week two to Texas. They had the uh, whatever game that was the next week at South Florida that they escaped. Jalen Milrow, how does he improve this much after that Texas game? No, it's a great question. And, you know, it's funny. Uh, the South Florida game, of course, he doesn't play. And it was almost Nick Saban seeming to say, look, we don't have better options. We're going to grow with this guy. And I think that you look over the course of the season, there's a couple aspects to it. One, I mean, experience is a great teacher. And we saw, you know, he started to understand these are the moments where I need to stay in the pocket. These are the moments when I need to leave the pocket. These are the moments when I need to scramble. These are the moments where I need to stay true uh, and keep my eyes downfield. I think another great part of this is you see development around him. I, I mean, especially early in the season, Alabama was starting a, a true freshman at left tackle who just seemed lost at times in pass blocking. He was not able to stay uh, horizontal and, and keep guys in front of him. He's come along in a big way. Uh, and then I think that at receiver, too, we're starting to see, you know, Jermaine Burton is putting together some of these games that we thought that we saw from him. And Isaiah Bond is really the player who I think might be the breakout player of this season outside of Jalen Milrow on that Alabama offense. So part of it is just uh, Jalen getting more comfortable and understanding his role a little more. Part of it is growth around him uh, in terms of receivers and offensive line play. And I think one other piece, too, 
is it's Tommy Reese, their offensive coordinator, starting to understand what he does well and what he struggles with. And, you know, I, I think that uh, especially when you have a young player, Jalen Melrose, is a first-year starter, uh, finding an offensive coordinator who can get the most out of a player, who knows how to keep him out of trouble, who knows how to, to limit his mistakes, that can be a huge advantage and I think will be even bigger of an advantage as they head into the college football playoff against a couple of other really good coaching staff. Okay, so Alabama versus Michigan. What do you think are some key matchups in this game? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, I mentioned Michigan's offensive line, which has, uh, you know, won the award for best offensive line to uh, the last two years. This year, it's going to be a little bit more of a struggle. They, uh, they kind of had to slide some guys around, especially after the injury to right guard Zach Zinter. They were not the same offensively and on the line when they played Iowa in the Big Ten championship game. And Alabama's got some guys, especially off the edge. Dallas Turner is somebody who's going to be a first-round draft pick. Chris Braswell is going to be not far behind him. They also have a really, really, really good secondary, so I expect that they're going to get a lot of safety help against the run as well, which is going to help them out a whole lot. So Michigan's offensive line, I think, has to step up in a big way. And again, the last two years, they did not uh, handle themselves well once they got to the playoff. Georgia absolutely flattened them in 2021. They struggled to deal with TCU's angles in 2022 uh, coming out of a 3-3-5. And so I do think that coming into this game, Michigan has to prove that they can be consistent, that they can give J.J. McCarthy time to throw, and that they can uh, run the ball at a higher level than they have for most of the year. And for Alabama, I think it's to not make too many mistakes. I mean, that's the thing. Michigan doesn't beat themselves. Alabama has at times this year. We've seen interceptions from Jalen Milrow. We've seen fumbles. We've seen broken plays. We've seen, uh, you know, on defense and breakdowns. I I think that Alabama, if you just go head-to-head, I think is a more talented team. And so it's going to be up to them to just let their playmakers make plays, not make the game too complicated, and try to win some of these one-on-one battles. So I do think that Alabama ends up coming away with this game, but I expect a low-scoring game, and Jalen Milrow, again, is the key because if he doesn't turn over the ball, I think Alabama's in great shape. All right, Shahan, let's move on to the other game. Game two on New Year's Day is the number two seed Washington Huskies against the number three seed Texas in the Sugar Bowl. First up, should we we expect like a home crowd advantage for Texas playing in New Orleans? I do think so. You know, you talk about uh, Texas, obviously one state over from New Orleans. It's a very easy flight. I, I'm based out of Texas as well. Uh, lots of people will be coming from Houston, which is a short drive away. Lots of people will be flying from Dallas. So, yeah, I mean, there will be lots of Washington fans there. I have no doubt about that. But I do think that this is going to be uh, maybe a 70, 65, 35 uh, Texas home game potentially. Okay, so once we've established that, and I think that's why that they they're like a four and a half point favorite. I think that factors in for sure. But yeah, Washington they won multiple close games pretty much after September. Uh, they're now an underdog for the third time in the last four games. Why did the Huskies win all these close games? It's it's a great question, and I think it's a couple things. One. In Michael Penix Jr., they've got one of the calmest and most consistent quarterbacks in the country. I mean, he just makes plays at the biggest time. Sometimes it's, uh, you know, a 40-yard touchdown pass to Romo Dunze to beat Oregon. Sometimes it's pulling a, a carry and, and uh, sweeping around the edge against Oregon State to convert a keyboard down. They just uh, do such a good job 
of letting Michael Penix lean on his strengths. And he's as good of a passer as there is in the country. I'd make the case that as a pure passer, he has been the best quarterback in the entire country this year. And he has a really good stable of wide receivers as well. But, you know, when you look at Washington, too, they are a team that just understands situational football at a level that, I mean, there's very few teams in the country over the past couple of years that I think have leveraged it as much, right? Defensively, they don't rank among the top teams, but they always get a stop in the right situation. They always get stopped on third and long. They always uh, manage to convert in key spots. So, I mean, this is a Washington team that is just astonishingly well coached by Kalen DeBoer. I mean, you look at his, his record as a head coach. He was an NAIA coach for a long time, went to Fresno State, now at Washington. And his winning percentage is something like 93% as a head coach. He does not lose football games very often. And, I, again, I think that it comes down to those factors, just knowing uh, when to put the pedal down, knowing when to pull back. And, uh, and again, I mean, I think that Washington right now, they have the longest winning streak of any team in the FBS now that Georgia mm-hmm. lost. They won 20 games in a row, including a win, by the way, over this Texas team last year in the Alamo Bowl. So I, I think that they are as well-prepared and as experienced and as veteran a team as any in the entire country. Okay, I would ask the obligatory is Texas back question, but they're really not back because they've never been in the CFP before. So what has made the Longhorns this good this season? Yeah, I I mean, I've been asked, of course, that particular question so many times this year. And my answer has been conference contention is is being back for Texas. So this is a level above back, like you mentioned. you know, I think that when you look at this team, uh, Steve Sarkeesian took over in 2021. It was a struggle. They went 13-12 and 12 their first two seasons under Steve Sarkeesian. Um, but they've been building to the season in a lot of ways, from the perspective of developing talent, from the perspective of growing up some young players, of having a second-year starting quarterback in Quinn Ewers, and uh, in building up that wide receiver room, including junior Xavier Worthy coming along as a third-year player. Uh, so when you look at this team, this is a team – that looks in a lot of ways like some of the Alabama teams that Steve Sarkeesian was a part of a couple years ago, uh, including that 2020 team that he coordinated to a national championship. Uh, They're deep, they're physical, they're big. uh, They have depth at every key position. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the big thing for them has been offensively, they have been at times inconsistent, even as they've tried to figure themselves out. But defensively, they show up every single week. Tavondre Sweat on the defensive line won the Outland Trophy as the best interior lineman on either side in college football, and he absolutely deserves it. He is a run-stopping force on his own. And I think that Pete Kwiatkowski, their defensive coordinator, who ironically came from Washington, doesn't get enough credit for what he's built over there in the secondary as well. So I, I think their defense gives them a a floor that they have not had in previous seasons and their offense uh, of course has the explosive component and they're able to overcome some of their inconsistent play and have become more consistent over the past two or three weeks as well so just a complete team at this point and one that will be very scary for any of the four teams in the college football playoff to deal with you mentioned worthy uh you know last he'd been knocked out of games in two or three times here in the last you know month of the season and last time i saw him he was in a walking boot in the fourth quarter of the of the uh you know the big 12 championship game do we know if he's gonna play it's up in the air right now but i i think that he's expected to play they said that he's been dealing with some nagging uh, sort of ankle stuff for about a month before that he was actually knocked out for a bit against texas tech as well but came back to play uh, in, in the Big 12 title game. 
So I do expect that he's going to be back. Uh, the question, of course, is, is he limited at all? And that's uh, hard to know a month out. But I do think that um, when you look at Worthy, obviously he's their, their big yards after the catch guy. He's somebody who they throw screens to and let go to work. But they are so deep at the receiver position. A.D. Mitchell, I mean, I think there's a case that he's made his case as the number one receiver on this team. Jordan Whittington is as good a possession receiver as there is in college football. Jatavian Sanders, uh, to me, outside of Brock Bowers, is the best tight end in the country. So they have depth at that position, but absolutely getting worthy back and healthy uh, will be a huge priority for them, especially as they head into this two-game stretch potentially. Okay, I certainly understand that this game is more than two weeks away, but do we have a lean or a prediction who wins uh, Texas against Washington? Yeah, so this is going to be a great game to me. I, I mean, to me, this is the national championship game. I think the winner of this game beats either Michigan or Alabama in the national championship game. Now, that might be wrong, obviously, but that's just my feel right now. Texas is such a complete team. And you look at what they do defensively, it's incredible. Uh, you look at what they do offensively, it's really, uh, there's no questions about it. Steve Sarkeesian built uh, a force over there. But Washington, in, in kind of an opposite way, uh, I, I think just thrives where Texas at times struggles. Texas has struggled to put away teams. They've struggled to play mm -hmm. situational football. They've struggled to show up at times in the big close moments. We saw that in their loss to Oklahoma earlier this year, and they've let other teams back into games uh, just because, you know, they've had inconsistent play on offense as well. And for Washington, I mean, they have taken advantage every single time of any mistakes. And Texas has been a team that's made mistakes and managed to survive them this year. I think that Texas is the better overall team but I just trust this Washington coaching staff, this Washington offense, and Michael Penix Jr., who would have been potentially my pick for the Heisman Trophy. Uh, I, I just trust them to make plays in the biggest moments. And the other part of this, too, is that Texas is a deeper team, like I mentioned. But having this month off gives Washington an opportunity to fully get healthy. We just heard yesterday that Romo Dunze, their star Bolitnikov finalist wide receiver, was apparently dealing with a broken rib for the latter half yeah. of the season. Having a month off to get healthy and get back to form is going to be huge for this team. So it's going to be a barn burner. It is going to be one of the games of the year in college football. I'm leaning Washington right now, but ask me in five minutes and I might change my mind. Okay. Shayon, I really appreciate it. This has been great. And uh, we need to get you on more often next season. I will make a note to do that. Uh, please do. Thank you so much for having me. My pleasure. Shayon uh, Jayaraji of CBSSports.com. Tremendous stuff. He's great. And uh, like I said, we should have had him on more this season. That's my fault. But we will definitely do so next season for sure. Now i got to make a note where I can keep it for like nine months and not lose it. But I'll remember. I will I'll remember that. Next segment, phone call time. If you want to jump aboard, general discussion, 602-260-1060, 602-260-1060. And also, we'll get to the little local roundup time pending including the Suns, lose another home game. Is this becoming a problem? When does it become a problem? I'm not exactly Mr. NBA regular season. In fact, I hate the regular season. But you got to win some home games or you're not going to even have a home game in the playoffs at this rate. Uh, so we'll uh, cover a little bit of that uh, time pending in the next segment. You're listening to Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7. It's time for today's local roundup. 
All right, welcome back to the Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUS AM 1060 and KSLUX HD2 100.7 edition of local roundup phone call time. To the KDUS hotline, 602-260-1060. Get to the phone calls in just a second there. First up, quickly, let's whip through the bottom line uh, for today. Uh, we will answer the poll questions at the, the bottom of the 11, uh, 12 o'clock hour uh, during the extra point with Kayla. Uh, the questions today are the uh, .com poll question, the KDUS1060.com poll question, who wins January 1st in the Rose Bowl? Michigan or Alabama, the Twitter poll question, who wins January 1st in the Sugar Bowl, Washington or Texas? Also, quickly, our other pipeline questions today. Uh, Let's get to those now. Uh, Is the Suns losing record at home a reason for concern or no big deal? The bottom line is that I'm pretty sure that most people have listened to me over the last 35 years Uh, know that I don't care about the NBA regular season, but when a team has a losing record at home approaching Christmas, that would be reason for concern. Meanwhile, how many games should Draymond Green be suspended by the NBA this time? This time, it's the sixth time, the bottom line. It starts with that, though. This is the sixth time. Um, Draymond needs to be sufficiently suspended this time, at least 25 games, in my opinion. That will get his attention, I would hope. Uh, but the NBA will never do that because they, the NBA has no balls and they're not going to do that. But suspending Green for, say, 25 games would cost him thousands of dollars and also basically end the season of the Warriors. And the Warriors, they should be punished for allowing him to get away and basically run wild for years. And then the last question today, uh, how about one reason to watch Chargers at Raiders tonight? Uh, the bottom line is, well, the, the hostage situation I sometimes joke about. The one reason would be if you're being held hostage and this game was on, then I guess you're probably going to watch. Unfortunately, the Chargers and Raiders are not the only bad teams in the NFL these days. Out to the KDUS hotline, 602-260-1060. Matt in Phoenix, hi, Matt. Bob, how are you? Good. Good. I wanted to talk a little college football playoffs since you're not going to be here in forever. And uh, first, I, I did have a baseball question for you. Hopefully, I'll be um, back someday. Chicago White Sox. Um, are they going to trade Dylan Cease and Luis Robert? Just one of them, neither of them. And is there any good reason why they shouldn't trade both of them? Well, no, they should trade everybody. But I think Robert stays, and uh, it seems like Cease, I actually thought Cease might be traded yesterday or this week at some point to the Braves. Uh, so I would be very surprised if Dylan Cease is in uh, Glendale when spring training opens for the White Sox. As far as Robert goes, uh, I've not heard anything. Have you heard about possibility of him being traded? I, I Last year I did, but that was long months ago. So... Um, but it's uh, yeah, I don't think that's going on. Is it? Is that going on? I have not. I'm of the opinion that they're so bad at both the major league level and in the minor leagues that they need to get rid of everybody and just start over. I don't disagree with that, but that dude needs to prove he can stay healthy too uh, on a consistent yeah. basis. So if yeah. he if he could do that for another year, I think they could get even more for him next okay. year at this time. That's fair. He was terrific last year in a. He was very good. For them. So, He's actually really um, good when he plays <laughs> pretty much is, in his career. Yeah, I, I yep. totally agree. I, I do hope he can stay healthy no matter what happens with them. Um, as far yeah. as the college football playoff is concerned, um, 
Washington and Texas I want to start with. Um, I think Kalen DeBoer is so good that he can offset the advantage that Texas may have in terms of personnel. The one concern I have is offensive teams who throw the ball off of really long layoffs have a tendency to come out really slow with, with timing issues. Um, that might be my concern. But Texas does a really nice job of allowing teams to stay in the game. So maybe even if yeah. they get off to a slow start, Washington can hang around. They're going to have no chance to run the ball, in my opinion. I mean, they didn't do it great throughout the regular season, although right. it got better as time went along. But that Texas defensive front is is nasty. Um, Best in college football, in my opinion. Yes, I agree with that. Um, the semi or maybe more than semi home field advantage for Texas concerns me a little bit. But if I had to play the yep. game, um, I would take Washington in the points. I probably would, too. Um, I think to, not to give away my answer in two hours, but I'm going to give away my answer in two hours because, okay. you know, unfortunately everybody's going to be listening in two hours, uh, even though they all should be. Uh, but uh, I think that Texas wins the game, but if I had to bet it, I'd take Washington in the points. Okay. Fair enough. As far as the Michigan-Alabama uh, semifinal is concerned, um, I think this interloss is significant. Um, I, we talked a little bit about Michigan-Iowa. I, I do wonder if that was a product of Michigan knowing Iowa couldn't do anything offensively. Um, it definitely was. The, after after they got the lead, I mean, there was no reason yeah. to push it. I think um, the big X factor is Jer- Jalen Milrow and using his feet. Um, I don't think Michigan, I, I'm not sure anybody, has an answer for that in the country. Um, and I think that could be a really big advantage. I, I agree. I know it's simplistic to say um, that the game comes down to turnovers, but um, I really think this one could. And um, if Milrow keeps it uh, to himself, um, the football, of course, I, I think Alabama wins the game in a low-scoring kind of grind-it-out type game. I have a sizable wager on Bama early, plus two and a half. Um, I did take also a little Michigan Team total under 24. Um, my concern, and I know this might be ridiculous, is I've yet to hear anybody, anybody, make a case for Michigan to win the game. Um, I've listened to a ton of previews. I know it's early, but I've I've not heard anybody pick Michigan in the game, and that concerns me a little bit. I don't think you're going to pick Michigan, so I like that. But what are your thoughts in terms of that semifinal? Well, it has nothing to do with my allegiance towards uh, the once mighty Buckeyes of Ohio State. Uh, it has nothing to do with that. But I favor Alabama. And also, I'm not doing anything this game yet until I find out if Will Johnson's going to play. Uh, the okay. Michigan, he's a tremendous defensive back. And if he were eligible yeah. for the NFL draft this season or in 2024, I think he'd be the first quarterback picked. Uh, but he's not. He's only a he's only a sophomore. He's only been in college for two years. He's not eligible. He got injured at the end of that Ohio State game uh, in, in the fourth quarter. He was in a, you know not even on the field at the end of that game uh, a couple weeks ago in Ann Arbor or whenever that was. Seems like it was like you know five minutes ago to me, but whatever. Um, 
if not just the Zinter injury, and that's a huge thing for their offensive line. Um, if those guys, if both of those guys are out, uh, I will definitely be on Alabama in that game. Okay. All right, Bob. Well, I appreciate it as always. Uh, I won't get a chance to give you a call tomorrow because my work okay. madness. But I want to wish you a very happy <laughs> holiday season. Enjoy your well-deserved time off, and uh, we'll talk in the new year. All right, we will do that. I appreciate it. Always good talking to you. Thanks. There's a wealth of information there, as always. Good stuff. Thanks. Okay. I'll get to the, we'll get to the Suns in the next uh, hour or two during the extra point with uh, Kayla. Uh, the Suns lose another home game last night. They're now 6-7 and seven at home on the season. Uh, they're 10th in the Western Conference after they lost to Brooklyn, who's not bad, by the way. Uh, but uh, this lack of defense that the Suns have, and especially one thing specifically, uh, which I will point out when we get to this game in more detail from last night, it happens Every night for the Suns at the defensive end of the floor. No matter who they are playing, it happens every game. And uh, so that's a tease for the extra point upcoming in the next two hours, of course, hosted by Kayla. All right, next segment, we will get to the National Roundup as we wrap up today's spectacular one-hour radio extravaganza. Not exactly an extravaganza. There's Well, I should rephrase this. I was going to say the game in Las Vegas tonight is not an extravaganza. There's plenty of things going on in Las Vegas tonight that I'm sure would qualify, but not Chargers against uh, the Las Vegas Raiders. And uh, God bless Al Michaels. He's been obviously very vocal about the schedule the last couple years on Thursday nights. This might be the worst game that they've had. <laughs> I mean, that's saying something. But when you've got Easton Stick against Aiden O'Connell, that's hard to get worse than that, I think. Hopefully it's not going to get any worse the next couple of weeks. But uh, this this is really bottom-of-the-barrel stuff. And thank God I don't have to watch it tonight. I'll watch some highlights after it's over. It's time for today's National Roundup. Welcome back. Final segment of today's Sports Zone with Bob Kemp on KDUSAM AM 1060 and KSLX HD 2 100.7. Football tonight, kind of, sort of, NFL action, or lack thereof, tonight in Las Vegas. Uh, the Raiders three-point favorites over the Los Angeles Chargers. No Herbert for the rest of the season for the Chargers. Obviously, no Jimmy G. I don't think Jimmy G is officially on injured reserve, but they can't play him because they have to pay him for performance reasons, uh, for the incentives. So he's not playing the rest of the season no matter what. Uh, so the uh, Raiders, a three-point favorite tonight. Total in that game, 34-and-a-half. And if you're subject to uh, having to watch this, good luck. All right, on to uh, quickly some uh, from the headlines, a rip from, uh, yeah, rip from the headlines and from the wire. Uh, the league is suspended. Uh, yeah, Draymond Green, I got into that. He, you know, he's out indefinitely. Uh, hopefully they'll crack down harder than they have before because it hasn't worked before. Meanwhile, in the NFL, NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell, as uh, he you would expect, uh, he said that the NFL officials uh, have done an extraordinary job uh, when asked about uh, the offsides call, but he's talking about the entire season they've done an extraordinary job. He was asked about the uh, Kadarius Tony offside penalty for the Chiefs on Sunday night. 
First up, if you missed it earlier in the week, there's no question that Tony was offside. There's no doubt about that. But a few NFL fans, I think we'd agree with Goodell, that the officials are doing an extraordinary job this season. Meanwhile, elsewhere in the NFL, the Steelers' T.J. Watt uh, is clear concussion protocol. He's expected to play on Saturday on the road against the Colts. Uh, meanwhile, around Major League Baseball, Shohei Otani can opt out of his 10-year, 700 million dollar deal with the Dodgers if Mark Walter, who is the owner, the controlling owner, if he's uh, no longer there, or if uh, President of Baseball Operations Andrew Friedman leaves the organization. He can opt out, Otani can, if either of those guys are gone at some point. Meanwhile, the Cubs and Jays are the most likely candidates to sign Valley product Cody Bellinger, who, of course, is a free agent. Uh, that, according to uh, John Heyman, longtime NFL, or excuse me, uh, Major League Baseball writer. And maybe he does, I don't think John's ever written on the NFL, but you never know. And in college football, uh, the Rutgers, Rutgers is uh, uh, doing the right thing here. They announced a contract extension through 2030 for Greg Schiano, who has really done a fabulous job, in my opinion. In my opinion, counts here. Uh, making uh, the Rutgers program at least respectable, which you would have never thought would happen, at least in the Big Ten. So they've, he's done a really good job. He deserves contract extension. All right, stay tuned. In the next two hours, it's the Extra Point, hosted by Kayla, including more phone call time, 602-260-1060. This has been the Next to Last Sports Zone in 2023 with Bob Kemp. Thanks for listening.